So we begin, uh, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Here's the key verse. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day. In the name of Jesus, uh, my dear friends, it is truly a joy and an honor to be with you here this morning. This is my second visit to Kajabi Hospital. Uh, I was here in September 2017 and had this wonderful opportunity to witness the fabulous ministry that happens here at Kajabi Hospital. I got to talk to some people and I talked to some of you at length. I really thank you for the time that, that you gave and to, to listen to, to people and to uh, see what exactly you do in the name of Jesus for his people in Kenya. I left Kenya, went back to the United States and I can honestly tell you I couldn't stop talking about this place because I was so impressed with, with so many things. I was impressed with your motto. Everywhere I turned, it seemed that this motto uh, staring at me, health care for God's glory. I was impressed with the commitment of all of you, the commitment to providing quality health care for the people of Kenya, the commitment to providing training for future health care workers in Kenya. Your commitment to minister to the spiritual needs of patients in this hospital. Two things there. I've never witnessed a hospital in the United States that had health care to God's glory. Uh, I see it everywhere here and that just struck me so, so deeply. And, and your commitment to those three pillars of your, your ministry here but I was also deeply, deeply impressed by your, your commitment to Jesus. He's our Savior, isn't he? But he's also our Lord. Lord of the church and Lord of our lives. You see, what you are doing here in Kajabi Hospital, I would say in simple, plain English, is a downright good thing. And that's what Peter is trying to say as he describes Jesus' ministry in his uh, little sermon here this morning. Peter talks about uh, Jesus' death. 
a death on the cross that atoned for the sins of the whole world, so that everyone, regardless of their race, their nationality, their language, all might live with God forever. He talks about Jesus' resurrection, a, a sign that the power of sin and death over us has been destroyed by Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. And that because he lives, we too shall live. And join that great throng that's mentioned in the book of Revelation, that throng from every tribe and nation of and language, offering praise to God forever. But I made special emphasis in my reading on one line. A line that always catches my attention. It grabs me. It's a line that pierces the very depths of my soul. He went about doing good and preaching all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. One simple line, isn't it? He went about doing good. What better thing can be said about a person? He went about doing good. What better thing can be said about someone at the end of their earthly journey? He went about doing good. What better thing can be engraved on a headstone in a cemetery? This person went about doing good in their earthly journey. That's what you're doing here at Kajabi Hospital. And that's what Jesus did. You are doing what Jesus did, going about doing good. I always ask myself the question, of why did Jesus do this? Why did he go about doing good, even to the extent of dying on a cross? Well, very simply put, Jesus was filled with compassion. Several times in the gospel it says Jesus met this person, Jesus met that person, and he was filled with compassion. In the Greek language it literally means his gut was moved by, by what he saw. Compassion is a Jesus word, isn't it? It's what Jesus is all about. Compassion is his nature. Compassion, that's his, uh, his words and his works as he shows his love for people. I think there are three things that encompass <coughs> compassion. Every good sermon has to have three parts. We're told in the United States. So I had to get that in here. here somehow or the other. First of all, compassion means having eyes that see. Easy to look away sometimes. Some situations are so tragic that it's downright hard to look at them. David mentioned that I've been in Uganda. I've been going to Uganda once or twice a year since 2005. And I have to be real honest with you this morning. First time I went to Uganda with a friend of mine, I literally saw thousands, thousands of children protruding stomachs, children who were hungry, children who were sick, children who were dying, children who had 
And I, I just remember simply being overwhelmed by that. You know, I had seen that kind of thing on television in the United States. Well, that's one thing. But to see it up close with my own eyes, well, that was something else. You see, Jesus has had two good eyes. He saw people. He saw people who were hungry, people who were lame, deaf, and blind. He saw people who were grieving over the loss of loved ones. And he wasn't afraid to reach out and meet them. Jesus was not afraid of seeing with his two good eyes hurting people in, in, in this world. But that's only where it begins. Compassion means having eyes that see. But secondly, compassion means having hearts that can be moved. Sometimes we get very hard-hearted, don't we? We may see a tragic situation and say, well, that's not my problem. Or we may see someone in need and, well, we think they brought it upon themselves. Let, let them figure out how to, how to get out of it. But Jesus... This God-man, this Son of God, this Son of Mary, he's an emotional guy. He has a heart that can be moved. We're told in, in uh, the Gospels that Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he cried because uh, they rejected him as their Messiah. When his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wasn't afraid to show his emotions. Jesus wept. Jesus uh, he was not afraid to let his feelings be, be known. He's not afraid to be vulnerable. He sees and he hears and his heart is moved. Compassion is having eyes that see, a heart that can be moved, but thirdly, compassion is a willingness to do something about it. We see and feel sorry for someone, but sometimes it's difficult to take the next step. Maybe it's too costly. Maybe it's too dangerous. Maybe we just simply don't want to get involved in, in, in the situation. We're not willing to give what God has first given to us. But Jesus... He's not only able, but Jesus is willing. A man with leprosy came up to him one day and said, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, well, I want to. And he touched him. And he said, be clean. Jesus is able and willing. Jesus fulfills those words of Isaiah that talked about the Messiah coming and restoring the creation and restoring human beings. Jesus speaks these words of Isaiah about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus. 
with eyes that see, a heart that is overflowing with love and is deeply moved, a Jesus who is willing to do something about it, a Jesus who's willing to give what he has as the Son of God, to, to give his power, to give his grace, to make people whole again, to go about the ministry of reaching out and ministering to the whole person, soul and body. Because he has eyes that see, a heart that can be moved, and he wants to do something about it. You see, this Jesus gives and he gives and he gives, almost until he has nothing left to give as he dies on the cross to pay the price of our sinfulness so that we might be set free from a guilty conscience, that we might be set free from the power of the devil, that we might be set free to go into the world and be Jesus to others, to be his heart and to be his hands. In the United States, we have an expression. I don't know if you have something similar in Kenya. We say, he's preaching to the choir. What that means in the United States is that the preacher is talking to people who already know what he's talking about. And that they're doing what he says they ought to do. I feel it this morning like I'm preaching to the choir. People who are already the heart and hands of Jesus because I've seen it. People who have eyes that see really hearts that can be moved, they're overflowing with love. People who are willing to, to give what they've been first given, knowledge, and wisdom, and skill to, to make bodies whole, and to uplift souls and spirits, and to give people the peace, the peace of Jesus. A peace that cannot, that the world cannot give. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that you may continue to do this good work. But I'm going to go a little bit farther and pray that God would pour out an extra measure of his Holy Spirit so that you may increase in what you are already doing in the existing hospital, in the future operating theaters, or whatever else happens in this place. That you may continue to be Jesus and to do it all for the glory of God. Let us pray. This is my prayer, Lord, and so these folks can simply sit and listen today. But I thank you that you have given me the opportunity twice now to come and see some pretty spectacular things. To see a downright good thing that is happening in, in this hospital. I pray for each one gathered here today I thank you for the faith that you have implanted in their hearts. I thank you for the commitment that you have given them. And I thank you for your willing, their willingness to use the gifts that you have entrusted to their care for the welfare of your people, 
for your glory and your glory alone. Be with everyone here. Deliver them from evil. Be with them in the hour of temptation to, to be less than what God has uh, created them to be. Pour out your spirit upon them so that they may have courage, faith, and the, con and the commitment to continue your good work in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm very tired, Pastor, is what he was trying to say. Um, <laughs> greetings from my pastor, uh, Reverend Michael Allmeyer at Vestavia Hills. I have three compa two companions with me from Vestavia Hills. Cindy, would you please stand up? Cindy Barberini. Adrian Williams, would you please stand up? They're members uh, at our congregation. Uh, actually, Cindy has been with me in Nicaragua and Uganda, and I think that's it, huh? I have uh, traveled, I guess, to about a dozen different countries to do mission work. Sometimes I've uh, traveled alone, and sometimes I travel with companions. And let me tell you from the bottom of my heart, it is always better to travel with companions, to have someone make the journey with us. So I'm very happy that they're along and able to uh, witness the wonderful ministry at Kajabi Hospital. So we begin, uh, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from the Acts of the Apostles chapter 10 beginning at verse 34. Peter has a lot of sermons in the book of Acts, so this is one of uh, Peter's sermons. Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, 
But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Here's the key verse. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day. In the name of Jesus, uh, my dear friends, it is truly a joy and an honor to be with you here this morning. This is my second visit to Kajabi Hospital. Uh, I was here in September 2017 and had this wonderful opportunity to witness the fabulous ministry that happens here at Kajabi Hospital. I got to talk to some people and I talked to some of you at length. I really thank you for the time that, that you gave and to, to listen to, to people and to uh, see what exactly you do in the name of Jesus for his people in Kenya. I left Kenya, went back to the United States, and I can honestly tell you, I couldn't stop talking about this place because I was so impressed with, with so many things. I was impressed with your motto. Everywhere I turned, it seemed that this motto uh, staring at me, health care for God's glory. I was impressed with the commitment of all of you, the commitment to providing quality health care for the people of Kenya, the commitment to providing training for future health care workers in Kenya, your commitment to minister to the spiritual needs of patients in this hospital, Two things there. I've never witnessed a hospital in the United States that had health care to God's glory. Uh, I see it everywhere here, and that just struck me so so deeply. And, and your commitment to those three pillars of your, your ministry here. But I was also deeply, deeply impressed by your, your commitment to Jesus. He's our Savior, isn't he? But he's also our Lord, Lord of the church and Lord of our lives. You see, what you are doing here in Kajabi Hospital, I would say in simple, plain English, is a downright good thing. And that's what Peter is trying to say as he describes Jesus' ministry in his uh, little sermon here this morning. Uh, Peter talks about uh, Jesus' death, a death on the cross that atoned for the sins of the whole world so that everyone, regardless of their race, their nationality, their language, all might live with God forever. He talks about Jesus' resurrection, a, a sign that the power of sin and death over us has been destroyed by Jesus of Nazareth the Son of God, and that because he lives, we too shall live. 
and join that great throng that's mentioned in the book of Revelation, that throng from every tribe and nation of Latin and language, offering praise to God forever. But I made special emphasis in my reading on one line, a line that always catches my attention. It grabs me. It's a line that pierces the very depths of my soul. He went about doing good and preaching all, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. One simple line, isn't it? He went about doing good. What better thing can be said about a person? He went about doing good. What better thing can be said about someone at the end of their earthly journey? He went about doing good. What better thing can be engraved on a headstone in a cemetery? This person went about doing good in their earthly journey. That's what you're doing here at Kajabi Hospital. And that's what Jesus did. You are doing what Jesus did, going about doing good. I always ask myself the question, of why did Jesus do this? Why did he go about doing good, even to the extent of dying on a cross? Well, very simply put, Jesus was filled with compassion. Several times in the gospel, it says Jesus met this person, Jesus met that person, and he was filled with compassion. In the Greek language, it literally means his gut was moved by, by what he saw. Compassion is a Jesus word, isn't it? It's what Jesus is all about. Compassion is his nature. Compassion, that's his, uh, his words and his works as he shows his love for people. I think there are three things that encompass <coughs> compassion. Every good sermon has to have three parts, we're told in the United States. So I had to get that in here. here somehow. First of all, compassion means having eyes that see. Easy to look away sometimes. Some situations are so tragic that it's downright hard to look at them. David mentioned that I've been in Uganda. I've been going to Uganda once or twice a year since 2005. And I have to be real honest with you this morning. The first time I went to Uganda with a friend of mine, I literally saw thousands, thousands of children protruding stomachs, children who were hungry, children who were sick, children who were dying, children who had no parents, children who were dirty. And I, I just remember simply being overwhelmed by that. You know, I had seen that kind of thing on television in the United States. Well, that's one thing. But to see it up close with my own eyes, well, that was something else. You see, Jesus has had two good eyes. 
He saw people. He saw people who were hungry, people who were lame, deaf, and blind. He saw people who were grieving over the loss of loved ones. And he wasn't afraid to reach out and meet them. Jesus was not afraid of seeing with his two good eyes hurting people in, in, in this world. But that's only where it begins. Compassion means having eyes that see. But secondly, compassion means having hearts that can be moved. Sometimes we get very hard-hearted, don't we? We may see a tragic situation and say, well, that's not my problem. Or we may see someone in need and, well, we think they brought it upon themselves. Let, let them figure out how to, how to get out of it. But Jesus, this God-man, this Son of God, this Son of Mary, he's an emotional guy. He has a heart that can be moved. We're told in, in uh, the Gospels that Jesus looked out over the city of Jerusalem and he cried because uh, they rejected him as their Messiah. When his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wasn't afraid to show his emotions. Jesus wept. Jesus uh, was not afraid to let his feelings be, be known. He's not afraid to be vulnerable. He sees and he hears and his heart is moved. Compassion is having eyes that see, a heart that can be moved. But thirdly, compassion is a willingness to do something about it. We see and feel sorry for someone, but sometimes it's difficult to take the next step. Maybe it's too costly. Maybe it's too dangerous. Maybe we just simply don't want to get involved in, in, in the situation. We're not willing to give what God has first given to us. But Jesus, he's not only able, but Jesus is willing. A man with leprosy came up to him one day and said, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, well, I want to. And he touched him. And he said, be clean. Jesus is able and willing. Jesus fulfills those words of Isaiah that talked about the Messiah coming and restoring the creation and restoring human beings. Jesus speaks these words of Isaiah about himself. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus, with eyes that see, a heart that is overflowing with love and is deeply moved, a Jesus who is willing to do something about it, a Jesus who's willing to give what he has as the Son of God, to, to give his power, to give his grace, to make people whole again, to go about the ministry of reaching out and ministering to the whole person, 
soul, and body. Because he has eyes that see, a heart that can be moved, and he wants to do something about it. You see, this Jesus gives and he gives and he gives, almost until he has nothing left to give as he dies on the cross. To pay the price of our sinfulness, so that we might be set free from a guilty conscience, that we might be set free from the power of the devil, that we might be set free to go into the world and be Jesus to others, to be his heart and to be his hands. In the United States, we have an expression. I don't know if you have something similar in Kenya. We say, he's preaching to the choir. What that means in the United States is that the preacher is talking to people who already know what he's talking about. And that they're doing what he says they ought to do. I feel this morning like I'm preaching to the choir. People who are already the heart and hands of Jesus because I've seen it. People who have eyes that see. Really hearts that can be moved. They're overflowing with love. People who are willing to, to give what they've been first given, knowledge and wisdom and skill to, to make bodies whole and to uplift souls and spirits and to give people the peace, the peace of Jesus, a peace that cannot cannot give. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that you may continue to do this good work. But I'm going to go a little bit farther and pray that God would pour out an extra measure of his Holy Spirit so that you may increase in what you are already doing in the existing hospital, in the future operating theaters, whatever else happens in this place, that you may continue to be Jesus and to do it all for the glory of God. Let us pray. This is my prayer, Lord, and so these folks can simply sit and listen to that. But I thank you that you have given me the opportunity twice now to come and see some pretty spectacular things. To see a downright good thing that is happening in, in this hospital. I pray for each one gathered here today. I thank you for the faith that you have implanted in their hearts. I thank you for the commitment that you have given them and I thank you for your willing, their willingness to use the gifts that you have entrusted to their care for the welfare of your people, for your glory, and your glory alone. Be with everyone here. Deliver them from evil. Protect them from the Holy One. Be with them in the hour of temptation to to be less than what God has uh, created them to be. Pour out your spirit upon them so that they may have courage, 
faith and the, and the commitment to continue your good work in this place. In the name of Jesus, <coughs> amen. For this case, I'd like to thank uh, Friends of Kijabe, because again, two years ago, we had a retreat where we were busy brainstorming about how efficiently and how best we could partner together. And we came up with a raft of things that looked so impo uh, very impossible then, but they are coming into fruition. So thank you very much. And personally, I'd like to thank David, Chuck, I know we've been uh, interacting and working this journey together. Asante Sana for all the effort you put. I'd like to thank also on your behalf uh, the, your church members from Lutheran and everyone who's participated and excited uh, by this process. This gives us great joy, great honor, and uh, we are for, forever grateful. Now, I'd like to talk about this young boy, Joe Lemon. A 10-year-old boy began a campaign where it's like a crowdfunding, where he said that basically the person who raised the highest amount for this project would be recognized by having a mention the university and the football team of the university that they are associated with or that they love the most. And that is why today I am dressed in an Ohio, Ohio State Yes, because the guy who uh, uh, raised the highest amount was is from Ohio State. So I would like to give uh, acknowledgement and thank this uh, young boy very much and the parents and the family of this uh, boy. And uh, Asante Sana, wherever he may be, I hope this message reaches him. I was just comparing him to my boy. He's, while he's doing crowdfunding, my boy is chasing after baboons. <laughs> <laughs> Africans, where did we go wrong? <laughs> yeah, so, thank you very much. Thank you to all, and thank you uh, to the, there's been a core team that has been instrumental in delivering this project. I can't. I, I don't want to fail to mention Dr. Bart. I saw his face somewhere. Yes, he's been instrumental in providing the wisdom and experience of how the project was done in the past and bring that uh, experience to uh, to this final concept. I'd like to thank Dr. Barasa, who's also been kind of the lead of the project as the head of surgery. I'd like to recognize and uh, acknowledge and thank. Dr. Eric Hansen in absentia, he's been very instrumental. He did the original mathematics about the needs and the future needs based on the number of surgeons and where we are the growth trajectory and the, the growth of training. I'd like to thank Grace Kamau, who has also been instrumental. I'd like to thank the infection control team. I know it was instrumental and the perioperative nurses and everyone who uh, participated in giving some information that led to the Akiterion team and all the people who developed this. So thank you very much 
for all those people. I think even education was involved a little bit uh, uh, through uh, Dr. Evelyn Bugwa. Asanteni Sana, and this is an example of when everything comes together in perfect harmony. But above all, I would like to thank God for making this a possibility. Asanteni Sana.